What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Hope you're doing all right and getting set up for a wonderful time with family and friends this uh, Christmas and holiday season. Numbers to get in. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Five eight six five. We have the uh, official announcement from the University of Oregon from uh, their hiring of Coach Tony Tui Odie. Some thoughts on that with Brandon Vogel coming up in about fifteen minutes. Uh, it's an oldie, but it's a goodie. It's not quite Clark Griswold reading the night before Christmas, but it is the uh, well the Santa story from our dear friend Coach Mike Leach. So the pirate uh, weighs in on. Santa and company in about 30 minutes. Coach Gary Barnett with us is uh, we'll get his take on uh, Coach Tuioti, what you do with the Nebraska coaching staff and uh, the mother of all recruiting stories uh, from Coach Barnett as he and members of Colorado's staff in the mid 80s dr- dodged a drive by shooting when in South Central Los Angeles uh, looking for a quarterback. Danny Burke, Burke's best bets on the way at 540. Emails, uh, welcome to send an email in at chris at hailvarsity.com. Can also fire a tweet off to us at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, and at uh, Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. If you want to feel old, uh, this, uh, this story from Mike Leach we got coming up here at 440, uh, you recorded when I was one year older than your son is right now. Okay. If I want to make you feel old. That was uh, six years ago now? Yeah, 2015, 2016-ish. I mean, we always have Coach on during Christmas season, and uh, he's got his bowl thing going this year. But, no, I mean, he's on, you know, six, seven times a year with us. So, yeah, I mean, we just – it's it's too good to, to not play. And a lot of times this time of year we're doing a best of, so you may have heard it, but it's – if you're driving the kids around, all right, and you haven't broke the news, if there is any news in your household, just be forewarned around 440. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I don't want story time to come up at some remote. You know, Dad was listening to Hale Varsity, and that's how I found out about Santa and his elves and his reindeer. <laughs> just, just say it. We're warning. It's a spoiler alert. Yeah, in in that, uh, you know, uh, hey, I hope everyone has a good time. I hope I hope there aren't tears in the back seat right now, I, or if I, you're playing the podcast, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, no good. Uh, good stuff for Nebraska basketball. We'll get there, but I want to read uh, Coach Tuioti's tweet that he just sent out here uh, about uh, ten minutes ago or so. I'm very grateful to Coach Frost, the coaching staff, the players, and to all of Husker Nation 
for letting me and my family be a part of this great program the last three years. Nebraska is a special place, and we want nothing but the best for Husker Nation. Go Big Red. And the picture is Tuioti's famed camouflage Nebraska hat with the red N kind of angled in the, I think it's the southwest corner of Memorial Stadium. Uh, pretty uh, pretty cool tweet, stand-up guy, really good teacher, uh, and uh, he'll be missed by Nebraska. We kind of touched on this yesterday, but you got to move forward if you're Nebraska football, and uh, that means figuring out what to do uh, in his absence. Uh, what do you want to do if you're Nebraska? And I think your your take is is Coach Dawson uh, there, obviously. But it sounds like Dawson and Tuioti worked pretty well in tandem with the outside linebackers uh, as Dawson's primary gig was obviously the interior lineman. So I think Nebraska will be okay. Now what happens when it comes to the running back spot is still a question and uh, I'm interested in, in figuring out where Nebraska can go in that aspect. Do you promote from within? Do you go younger? I know Sam McEwen has a story up with the World Herald, uh, specifically a name uh, when it comes to uh, to Florida football and their running backs coach. Is that an angle or an option that Nebraska explores? And uh, when Coach Frost was doing his radio program last week, he touched on the fact he likes Ron Brown as an analyst role. Uh, Ron's too good to not have on staff. Ron's too good to not have as a really strong option as a running backs coach. Someday, start of the new year, we'll have to get Ron back on the show, Coach Brown, and just kind of get his take and his feel. Does he want to? Does Does he want to mess with recruiting? We'll get into that with Coach Barnett because you have. And I listen. I don't like to go and say, "Well, older guys don't like to to go uh, hit the pedal to the metal." That's that's not necessarily true, and and I just don't ever easy for me to say. But I don't ever look at at Coach Brown's age as as a roadblock or an obstacle. Just because of how fit and vibrant he is, how active he is, dude looks younger than me. Right. I mean, he. I mean, he. 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 He has zero bags under his eyes, despite grinding, you know, for hours doing analyst work and and all the other outreach he does. So that's kind of where I'm at with things. Uh, we'll see where Nebraska goes, and it's it's interesting to to know that. Uh, another guy. I mean, we've heard about Travis Fisher being checked in on by other programs over the years, right? You have uh, Coach Dawson that, that went back to the NFL, and now Coach Tuioti plucked back to uh, the Pac-12, but uh, Tuioti did a, re- a really nice job. Yeah, and you mentioned that story from uh, from Sam McEwen uh, about the guy down at Florida. It's Greg Knox. Yep. He has served as both a running back, or running back coach and special teams coordinator for the Gators, and if you want to uh, check out what he's all about, he will be the interim head coach for tonight's Gasparilla Bowl as uh, Florida taking on UCF tonight. So that's where you can check him out. Uh, I'm not sure if Sam has any inside scoop there, if he's just spitballing, uh, but it, it does seem to be a name that would fit the, the job description pretty perfectly whenever you look at his experience, both on special teams and as a running back coach. Kind of double dip there. And we, we discussed how Nebraska now has two job openings for three coaches. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to double dip on one of them, uh, you would think, or you're going to have to promote from within the D-line coach and get you a two for two. But uh, there is three coaches needed and only two spots available, so it makes sense to bring in a guy that has experience doing both running backs and special teams. Think about Knox, just looking at his history here. 
uh, time at Ole Miss in the mid-90s, uh, okay, uh, from 95 through 90. I think that was the Orgeron staff. Uh, he was at Auburn after that, and then Mississippi State under Mullen. And then he went with uh, from Mullen in his staff at Mississippi State to, to Florida. Uh, you look at Knox, he's upper 50s. Uh, he's done a lot. And if if you can get in that, that more firepower in that Sunbelt footprint, that SEC footprint from a recruiting standpoint, be a nice one-two punch with, with Miggy Joseph and, and Knox uh, down south. And Nebraska's not – I mean, they've got a – a good history of, of Florida talent. They've had a good history of Louisiana talent over the years recruiting, uh, and they've not hit Mississippi, that state, quite a bit. Nebraska's done well in Georgia uh, recently. Uh, so that that has been good. Nebraska's two guys that kind of come to my mind uh, out of Mississippi, two running backs, uh, Brandon Jackson, really, really good back. Mm-hmm. And then Corral Buckalter was incredibly talented and had a, a fantastic NFL career. So it's been a quality versus a quantity thing uh, in the state of Mississippi. But uh, we'll see if Knox is there, if Nebraska promotes from within. Husker basketball, you went last night, and I watched it with uh, my wife and and listened to a lot of it when I was running junior around and then got him dropped off, and then we we settled in and had a – a beer and, and some fries and uh, maybe some chicken wings and and just okay this thing flipped around from the first like ten minutes I was listening to to Canton in uh, company and and man I uh, said you know what this is going very poorly <laughs> and then Captain Hook came out Coach Fra- Coach uh, Hoiberg sat McGowan's and he sat Verge for a little bit and then Nebraska found their rhythm. I was impressed with just the offensive flow when they got right. I mean, they, they cranked out a 19-2 to two run to turn an eight-point deficit into a lead, and then they went into half uh, with Lakes' bomb from uh, top of the key on a nice kickout. When this team makes the decision to pass and be unselfish, they're good. They're, they are good, and that extra pass, like the over-under on a successful possession in my short history of watching this team this year, if, if, if there's like a minimum of three passes per possession, someone's open, and the shot may not always go in, but damn, it feels like six out of ten times it does go in, right? And, and that's just it. The, the one and done, let's just jack a shot. Very few of those possessions last night and very few of those bad shots. I mean, the the message was sent by Fred this week in practice. I think it was probably a pretty grueling week of practice on top of uh, just the the cloud in that uh, that facility because of how bad it's been, the losing streak, how you've gotten it handed to you. And, and they responded. Kennesaw State's not a bad basketball team, but it was more about Nebraska, Elijah. And, and the extra pass, the unselfishness, it translated into guys being ready. And they were in rhythm to get a nice pass, a catch, and a shoot. And it looked like basketball last night. Well, Kennesaw State, not a bad team, but let's also be clear, not a good team either. No. I mean, they didn't beat anybody in the Big Ten, but it stopped the losing streaks. Better than the alternative. Well, I mean, if you remember <laughs> back, uh, they, they gave Creighton a pretty good scare back early in the season. I think they lost by like four points or six points to Creighton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they do have some talent, not 
world beaters by any means. I was impressed to see just how the confidence started flowing through that team once they saw a couple threes go down. Where I was sitting in the stands going, all right, they're due for a miss. That one's not going to go down. They hit and six they, straight at one yeah, point. Yeah, they, they just kept on going down. I, I was impressed with how much better the shooting looked once just a little bit of confidence started going through the team. Once Kise knocked down a few, once Trevor Lakes hit that one at the buzzer, uh, the, the the confidence was there for the team, and it was weird to see. It wasn't just a couple guys that had confidence. It looked like the whole team had confidence from behind the three-point line, and that completely changed their prospects in the game as a whole, just to be able to knock down over 50% of your threes. Well, it's like they saw it working, Yeah, right? I mean, it's proof of concept. Oh, Fred wants us to pass the ball and swing it and not over-dribble and not over-penetrate. Good. We'll get to uh, the McGowan's tweet. Uh, seen around Husker Nation here in a moment. But uh, this is Fred on the week that's been, this film session that he had to be pretty raw with the guys. The one thing I really commended our team in the locker room after the game was how they didn't take the film session personally. They carried over. They took it constructively. Uh, had two good days of work uh, where we really worked on our execution and our shot selection. And I thought that carried over in a big way uh, pretty much all the game. I thought our energy out of the out of the gate wasn't very good. Made a couple subs, and then we put the starters back in. I thought it was terrific. But, you know, Alonzo, phenomenal. Uh, moving the ball, making the extra pass, making the simple play. Uh, you know, very few times that he changed direction and over penetrate into the paint uh you know he really set the tone out there with uh, with movement and that carried over to all of our guys uh derek made good plays in the pocket they were icing our pick and roll on the left side of the floor thought we did a solid job for the most part reading that opposite uh, low man and, and that's what got our guys some good open looks out there more from coach hoiberg here on that uh that zero tolerance or minimal tolerance here uh you make a bad play you make a uh, a horrible effort. You do something that we've spent time talking about not doing. You're going to watch for a little bit. Well, I hope so. And it's just got to continue to carry over. Um, you know, the true test will be when we hit a rough patch, how are we going to handle it? And we're going to hit some rough patches, obviously, with our schedule uh, that's coming up here the rest of the way with, with 18 league games against really high-quality opponents. Uh, you know, we just got to continue to build and get better. I told them to enjoy it. Uh, this break with their families to get four days to recoup and recover, um, get their minds right and their bodies right. Hopefully, we'll see the ball go through the basket. It'll give them some confidence and clear their headspace for when they get back. And we get back in the gym on the evening of the 27th. Um, but overall, just a, a really solid effort against a good team. I, I was really concerned with this team. It's always a concern, this getaway game uh, before your players go home. Uh, are they thinking ahead? But I, I really thought, again, except for those first three or four minutes, we were really good tonight. So let's get to the tweet sent out by Coach McGowan's 18. And you sent this to me. This so, is the, 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 the father. The father of Bryce and Trey. Bryce and Trey. This was a tweet at 4.32 a.m. And this is the tweet after a win, after stopping a multi-game losing streak, after looking really bad and doing it, the team. And, and Bryce looked great last night. Very efficient. Did a wonderful job kind of stepping into his threes. Was three for five. Third, uh, the third Husker that, that had double-digit scoring. I know Verge Vir- had 16 and Kise had 18. But everyone took about you know five to seven shots. It wasn't this, let's launch up 14 to 20 shots. It was very efficient. Dear student-athletes slash parents, when making a decision about college, pray that God gives you teammates that have winning as their primary goal and that no jealousy ever creeps into your team. It could be the difference in winning and losing and having a great college experience. 
So that is a bit of a cryptic tweet. <laughs> Who's it pointed at? Is it just a general pontification? And he's right. You can't have selfishness. And I think you've had a lot of selfishness. And guys finally saw that selfishness go away, at least for one night at PBA last night. But I, I just don't know that, you know, that needs to be tweeted out. If I'm, if I'm the McGowan's kids, I just ask members of my family not to go Mahomes here and, and tweet things out. I, I assume that's an early morning tweet, but it could be a late night tweet. I'm not, I'm not sure how to take that tweet at all. I mean, especially after a win. Yeah, that's that's the big thing to me. That's a, it's after a win. You know, if this thing comes out after getting whacked by Auburn. Totally get it. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll get Brandon Vogel's thoughts on lots of Husker things next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! You know, I think he's in his red Adidas tracksuit right now, getting ready for the holidays. We welcome in Brandon Vogel, managing editor, hailvarsity.com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel. On Twitter, his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogue's a lot to cover, man. How you doing? Not too bad. How are you? We are good. We are good. And I want to get into to Coach Tuioti's thank you and fare thee well uh, with Nebraska. What do you read into that uh, with, with Tuioti departing Nebraska here? What's your reaction? Um, certainly a tough loss for Nebraska. I mean, I think – in terms of being in a spot where Dawson got an opportunity in the NFL and you had to, to make a hire kind of out of the blue, you know, Tuioti went about as well as you could hope uh, for Nebraska. Like, you know, they never had kind of the pure pass rusher up front, but knowing that that's the case, that, that was a group that was still able to execute at a high level. And, you know, the, the players in his, in his room, so to speak, certainly seemed to hold him in high regard. So Oregon stepping in, you know, as far as I know, there's there's kind of no past connection between Dan Lanning and Tony Turioti. So it, that to me said a lot right there on its own, that they would kind of recognize the work that he was doing and come in and basically try to poach him from Nebraska. And unfortunately it worked if you're, if you're a Husker fan. So that kind of told me everything I needed to know about what that loss means for Nebraska. That said, uh, silver lining, I guess, uh, if, if this kind of raft of hires Nebraska has made recently turn out as well as that Tuioti one did, uh, Nebraska would be in a pretty good spot. The thing that the math on this for me, if I'm Oregon, that makes me smile is his ability to 
to teach and develop. I mean, you look at the work and and level that Nebraska's D-line played for. You look at the improvement and just the impact guys like Damian Daniels, Ben Stilley, and, and DeAndre Thomas had this year, and that's after losing three guys to the NFL, okay? So now they were older guys, but you still got them to, to play up to a high level. So that that is proof there. But you pair a guy who knows the Pac-12 and was part of good defenses with Wilcox at Cal on top of his connections to the Polynesian community in Oregon always seems to do really well recruiting the Polynesian kids anyway. I mean, all of this together seems like a pretty perfect storm, perfect fit. Yeah, it does. And, you know, I'll give from from very afar, um, just kind of looking at it, I'll, I'll give some credit to Lanning because based on Oregon's hire so far, you know, he's coming from Georgia uh, where <laughs> coaching under Kirby Smart, you probably have one thing drilled into you, which is recruit, recruit, recruit. And we know that Cristobal was able to do that at Oregon and put the Ducks in a really good spot. In fact, that roster that Lanning's going to inherit is in a really good spot. And so what's he done with some of these hires? Well, it seems to me um, that he's put an emphasis on recruiting. I need people who can recruit. And I'm looking for people who have some familiarity with the West Coast because basically I'm, I'm coming in as kind of an outsider. Uh, seems like a really smart approach. And that one of those those spots ended up uh, going to, to Tony Tuioti. Again, it, it hurts for Nebraska, but I also feel like it's a little bit of a feather in their cap. Brendan, yesterday we had Bill Dolman on the show, and he was trying to read in between the big the big red lines, if you will. Uh, and I want to get your take on this. I mean, it's it's been a month and a half since Nebraska let go of Ryan Held, and uh, they've been without a running backs coach as well as maybe a special teams coordinator. Now you have a, a defensive line coach that has hit the road. Do you, do you think that this was expected uh, from Coach Tweeter? Do you think Scott Frost knew this may have happened, and that's why there's been uh, some some time uh, some delay in announcing a new head coach or excuse me, a new head running backs coach? Um, maybe not that specifically, but I would say that, you know, coaches generally have an idea of the moving pieces. And if, if you're about to lose somebody on staff, who's getting hired away, you know, the, the common courtesy there is for at least the opposing AD to reach out to, to Nebraska's AD to say, Hey, we're interested in this person. We're going to try and interview them. Um, even then, probably between the coaches themselves, you know, trying to get a sense of what this person is like, you probably want the head coach's perspective on that as well. So I do think there's there's something there for the fact that Nebraska announced everybody but this one spot that was open. It did make it seem to me like there's probably some additional movement to come for Nebraska. And, and Tuioti certainly fits that mold of, okay, well, that – that changes things, you know. Mike Dawson is currently on staff, used to coach that group. It just gives you some options there. So, assuming everything uh, kind of went by protocol, it wouldn't be a surprise to me if, if Coach Frost and the Nebraska Athletic Department knew what sort of interest any coaches on the staff were receiving. So, when it comes to uh, future departures, you think that's it? Or do you think more coaches – are targeted here with this uh, this carousel upheaval? Yeah, really good question. I think you're starting to get to the point in, in the coaching carousel where 
uh, you know, LSU and, and, and Notre Dame and Oklahoma and SC and all those things. Okay, that's that's all happened now. Those were big change moments that kind of disrupt the the entire coaching industry. At this point, I think most people are starting to slot in where they're going to end up. You're you're always going to have you know kind of one or two big surprises post uh, this kind of December January recruiting window. But I think at this point, I would I would be surprised, not shocked, but a little bit surprised. Like it just seems like enough people have found their new spots that Nebraska's probably got pretty much its group going forward, barring some kind of out of nowhere offer for somebody. So, and that, and that's good because now you, it feels like everything's moving. It's a little bit of musical chairs for those early weeks in December. You get to this point, you start to feel like, okay, well maybe we can make those last, you know, one or two hires that Nebraska has to make and feel pretty good going into the new year. All right, Brandon Vogel, you get a phone call after you hang up with us. It's from Frosty, and he asks you, all right, do we keep Coach Brown as an analyst or do we elevate him to running backs coach? What say you? Uh, that's, that's a pretty tough one. I think – With this additional opening on the defensive side, uh, I I was in in a pretty good spot of it's hard to argue with Coach Brown's track record. I mean, he's a guy who went out there and it basically the drop of a hat was not only able to to help you prepare for two games, uh, but was also one of your foremost guys out on the recruiting trail. I mean, I think he showed right away that he can be plug and play. And just his experience in the game, uh, given where Nebraska has been over these past four years, it's, it's kind of tough to it's tough to trump that with you know. I, there's always some kind of big new running back guy out there. I mean, this is true for any position. Maybe a guy who's like really done a great job recruiting. But I don't know if, you know, the recruiting, it's, it's always important. I don't know if it's the first piece of it for what Nebraska needs to win right now in 2022. So the ability to kind of shift roles, because, you know, everybody's thinking about special teams. Does Nebraska specifically put somebody in that role? Are they specifically looking to hire for that role from the outside? Um, having another opening makes it seem more likely to me. That, that Ron Brown probably ends up an on-field coach for Nebraska. Uh, Vogues here, while we're on the topic of special teams, what do you make of the additions that Nebraska has brought in, uh, mostly via the transfer portal for the special teams? Do you think that alone will be enough to fix Nebraska's special teams problems? Well, I don't know if that alone will do it, but you've got to feel pretty good, or at least I feel pretty good, about the punter of the year uh, from mm-hmm. FCS coming aboard. Um, being able to and I think, you know, this is me reading between the lines now. I think when Frost said that uh, during the season, you know, it's not a special teams problem. It's a specialist problem, to paraphrase. I could see the truth in that where, like, you hope you get a punter and you can just kind of lock that away. You hope you get what Nebraska got this year on kickoffs. We are like, okay, we found the guy who can basically put a touchback uh, in there anytime we want, and you lock that piece of it away. So I think there, there are changes that punter in particular has that potential, maybe kicker too, um, though uh, that's such a mechanics-based thing that 
you, you feel like, you know, it's like your golf swing. It could, it could kind of betray you at any moment, though you hope that's not the case. So, so I do feel pretty good about, about the additions that Nebraska has made. That said, you know, and, and part of the reason I think so many people are looking for a special teams, a full-time special teams coach, is that you look at the four-year track record and, and Nebraska's rankings in these, you know, special teams categories sort of speak for themselves. I think it's clear to everyone that more attention needs to be paid to it. Even if you know, you can sort of, if you find the right guy, not worry about pieces of it. It's more an overall health check, I think, on how the program's progressing of, are you going to care about this or not? I think that's what it comes down to. Vogues, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, I know Nebraska basketball got a much-needed win. It, it looked pretty team um, effort-inspired, which was nice. Uh, the tweet from this morning with from Coach McGowan's, what, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, mostly that it's a, a reflection of a, a season that has been tougher than I think a lot of people expected and certainly most people hoped for, for Nebraska. I mean, to it's hard because, with, you know, when you're in this position as a parent of a recruit or a recruit yourself, like you're putting so much trust in the coaches. It's kind of hard to understand the team dynamic much less the individual dynamics that, that make up what, what a team dynamic becomes with guys that you don't know that you're, you're really probably not going to encounter a ton. You can text them, you can DM them, whatever. Uh, you're not going to encounter a ton until you get on campus. So a little bit, it, it seemed like a, it, expressing frustration, which I understand. I think a lot of people are, are frustrated with where Nebraska, Nebraska basketball is at entering the new year. But, you know, it, to some degree, I felt like eh, maybe this is a problem that you, you can't solve just through increased due diligence. Vogues, tell the little man uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all right? I'm sure Santa's got a bunch of stuff for him. <laughs> Will do, and he does. I uh, hope you guys have a happy holiday. All right, bud. We'll see you soon. Thanks again. Yeah. Right. Brandon Vogel with us uh, from Hale Varsity. A very... Mike Leach Christmas story coming up with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. As uh, we are getting ready for a little bit of a holiday Christmas break off tomorrow. And uh, then we have uh, Bull Bonanza coming up on ESPN locally. All next week, COVID permitting. Speaking and of uh, Bull Bonanza, you see that Red Panda performance last night at PBA? I, I did not. I'm not a big Red. Maybe I'm it, but I could give two dams about the Red Panda. Oh, 
Off on like an eight foot tall unicycle. No, I know. I tossing just... bowls under her head. Incredible. Yeah, I know. I mean, I've seen it. <laughs> it's still incredible. No, I couldn't do it. I'm not knocking it. I just I'm gonna go get a someday a beer at BBA during halftime. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I will take Junior to get ice cream. Right. Uh, reminder about uh, buckling up during this holiday season. Game preparation and. Uh, repetition predicts success and winning drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seat belts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen remember to always buckle up a message from the nebraska department of highway safety office a christmas story with the pirate now mike leach on hail varsity and now i gotta ask you what the season are you a fake tree or real tree guy uh, <laughs> well, prefer real trees. Uh, like most people have uh, copped out and uh, and uh, and do fake trees. Yeah, it's been straight fake trees for the last couple of years. I like real trees better. And did you eventually break the news to the young ones about Santa, or did you let them learn on your own, on their own? My oldest daughter, it was a bit of a jolt. Ah. Uh, the Santa thing, and then after that. Uh, if I remember correct, correctly, we had my oldest daughter convinced and, you know, wanted her to have that experience believing Santa, which I was mixed on that because I'm still a little pissed on um, the deception that took place with, uh, with me and Santa and my parents years ago, you know. And, um, and my oldest daughter, if I recall correctly, she, I mean, she was into Santa and was inclined to believe in Santa. And my my wife was more into pushing that than I was, uh, and I imagine she's still mad too. Cause she's got a temper, and so um, <laughs> she didn't like the fact that uh, that uh, she'd been uh, led <laughs> down a dark path in the sand thing. And then <clears throat> my next daughter, it's almost like she knew from the beginning that there wasn't Santa Claus, and she and it, and it was sort of like. Uh, she says, well, of course it's not real. Everybody knows that. You know, she is one of those that saw through it right from the beginning. And then from there on, the other kids, it was just, uh, I guess, osmosis from uh, from the older kids that, no, there wasn't Santa. So they, they, had a, they, they, they had a lot better time of it than I did. Well, tell me about your experience. What happened? Well, I'm going along and see, back then, Santa was more heavily reinforced, I think, than it is now. And back then, um, you know, Santa this, Santa that. And, and I've been picking away at the Santa story for years because I was always, you know, skeptical. Uh, and I mean skeptical to the point where, you know, as it got towards Christmas and mom was uh, kind of suspiciously ducking in and ducking out, well, I would go on search parties and search the house uh, surreptitiously and uh, find the uh, presents and things stashed away. And I mean, even to the point, and this is not the child, the type of child someone wants, but nevertheless, um, you know, I'd have it worked out what I wanted. And I'd even do stuff like when I, she was going to be gone for a while. Uh, and I, and I began, I was a master of it. I would unwrap uh, the presents, you know, get a paring knife and just slit the tape, you know, where the, it was wrapped and slip the box out check it out, you know, play with it for half an hour, put it back in, tape it back up, uh, and look surprised at Christmas. Well, then it got to be where, well, we got all these presents. Because, see, I knew, I knew that, all right, I'd seen some of these presents. But there was always something, you know, 
because she'd wrap it and they'd end up under the tree. But there would always be something on Christmas Day that wasn't part of uh, the wrapped ones I discovered. And basically, they were generally somebody, like whether it was a, a younger brother or sister getting a tricycle or something, somebody was getting something big enough that it wasn't practical to wrap. Ah. Or something misshapen, so it wasn't practical to wrap. <clears throat> and so then what the, they would do is they'd, of course, set that under the tree, and so others aren't left out with uh, unwrapped things under the tree in the morning. You know, so you'd wake up in the morning, and boom, there's uh, some extra stuff, and that would include, like, if, uh, a tricycle or something big. And so, they, well, so nobody's left out. They would ensure that somebody, that everybody got something under the tree. Um the morning of and so well so then it's like uh you know i start out with a, a line of questioning of course and this went on for years i start out with a line of questioning um so uh does santa get us all of the presents you know um well uh, no grandma and grandpa get us some presents you know uh well how about uh other things like this or like that and then I'd say, well, how about, how about, how about uh, the Daniel Boone gun that I got last year? Did Santa get me that or did you get me that? And, how do you communicate you know, between the two? Occasionally she'd, she'd get stuck and she'd say, well, uh, I don't remember, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, but, uh, you know, there's, uh, and then it eventually worked its way towards, well, the stuff on Christmas, uh, you know, that you, uh, that's out there, you know, on Christmas morning. That's definitely Santa, you know. And so I was starting to close in, but, you know, the thing is I was still a believer. Ah. And uh, I was still a believer. And uh, somewhere along the line, uh, and there wasn't as, you know, then it was the type of thing on TV at three channels, which right. amazingly several of the shows that I would watch are still on, Charlie Brown Christmas, hmm. uh, the Rudolph uh the red-nosed reindeer with that's like made out of puppets or whatever, and Burl Ives is a, a snowman in the thing. I mean, um, so remarkably, some of them still on. But anyway, as I start closing in, eventually, you could tell because the parents had that expression on their face. We we need to have a talk about something, and so, <laughs> and this is as my. And keep in mind that the, the intense questioning had gone on for like three years. They're tired and of so, it, huh? <laughs> and, so, and, and so then eventually it's like they got a goofy expression on their face, and it's leading into Christmas, as I recall correctly. It's like uh, probably this time, you know, this time of year in relation to Christmas. Uh, well, uh, we have to have a talk. Uh, okay, now this stuff about Santa Claus. Well, it's like my parents had never lied to me. I mean, it was a loss of innocence. It was, uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, you can't go home anymore, and it's not the same. I mean, it's all those things. Just this. and then, and then I even started rattling through. Well, I asked about this, and I asked about this, and I asked about this. Bam, wham, right in the face, you know. I mean, there isn't a nice man uh, up north with a, a bunch of friendly elves uh, pulls all this stuff off. And I would have to say our family, uh, my sister was like, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> and then um, 
And then my brother was, well, he was younger, and he was just trying to stay out of harm's way from me and my sister. So, because um, she was, uh, you know, she was a fairly, uh, my sister was and still is a person that'll put her hands on you. And um, so, uh, but anyway, so you're really opening up the holidays on a positive note with, uh, with your listeners. So, uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Gary Barnett, 10 minutes away. Danny Burke, Burke's best bet. So we'll have some more thoughts from Alonzo Verge on the Husker win last night over Kennesaw State. So Rutgers gets the nod over, a, uh, over A&M to replace A&M against Wake Forest. Greg Schiano, really excited about it. Uh, you have... Uh, the NCAA Oversight Committee deciding the previous guidelines for selecting five and seven teams to fill bowl openings would remain the highest multi-year APR being the greatest factor. That meant the Rutgers squad got the first nod, uh, the APR, uh, the uh, the victory, so to speak, over the five and seven fighting Illini, who have had a top 10 road win at Penn State, right? Uh, the Illini, who else did they beat this year? Nebraska. Well, sure. That was to kickstart the, hey, the season. Hey, they beat the best 3-9 team in the country. They did. Uh, but what the thing that was impressive about the Illini is kind of how they closed. They were knocking on the door for a 6-6 six and six season. The Rutgers, though, I'll say this, played, uh, played uh, Michigan the best out of anybody aside from Nebraska this season, not mentioning Michigan State, who got the the, the lone win. But, yeah, uh, so you get a cheer for Noah Vedrill. You have a Nebraska quarterback under center in the shotgun, so to speak. They uh, lost by 10 to Iowa. They won at Minnesota 14-6. to The Illini did. But they this is, this is jarring. Uh, they also lost at Rutgers. So the head-to-head, along with the APR, wins out. I'll, I'll be happy uh, f- for Noah Vedrill in particular, to, for him to go get a, a, a bowl chance. And uh, I think he still has one year of eligibility left at Rutgers because of the COVID pause. Uh, I think they're expecting him to come back next year. Um, but he should be the starter in this bowl game, assuming he is healthy mm-hmm. uh, for this game against Wake Forest. And, and that's why I'll be tuning in. I'll, I'll check in and see what Noah Vedrill has to do. Always proud of the Nebraska kids. Uh, getting out there, making it in a bowl game because they haven't made it into a bowl game playing at Nebraska in the past couple of years. So, is there a is there a bowl game you're most excited for beyond Georgia, Michigan? Hmm, that's a good question. You know, I mean, there's let's, there's let's some all right storylines like you have LSU and K State tonight. Clemson, Iowa State is something I'm circling. It's going to be next Wednesday. Oh, I'm excited for Michigan State and Pitt. Seriously? Yeah, no one's playing. Okay, whatever. I mean, like, Pickett's out, Pickett's Walker's out, out. Walker's out. Okay, let's, let's see what the rest of the teams are about. I'll still watch it. Any, any intrigue with Cincy Bama? You, you, you called Cincy, so yeah. So, yeah, um, the other one that I look at that I think could be interesting is Notre Dame and Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl. That'd be, that'll be 13 to 10. <laughs> well, it, it depends. Like, Notre Dame was a team that was trying to, trying to get dirty their way into the college football mm-hmm. playoff. And Oklahoma State's a team that was uh, was right on the edge, too. If they could have gotten a win against Baylor and they came up, what, two inches short yeah, in the, the Big 12 championship game? Dive, so yeah. I, th- I think that one could be a really interesting matchup. 
Uh, that, those are really the main ones uh, I'm looking at. Oh, Baylor and Ole Miss should be fun, too, with uh, Ole Miss getting uh, Matt Corral back for one more yeah, game. Yeah, good for him. He's playing, and he's off to the NFL, probably a first-round prospect per most mock drafts, but he's still going to kind of hang with his guys. Sneaky good could be the Rose Bowl, just because of how physical Utah is. And we'll see interest level from Ohio State. It's the first time in a long time they're not in the playoff. So do they go out the right way? I mean, since 2018. Gary Barnett, he'll give us some of his bowl breakdowns and uh, a recruiting story to remember and uh, thoughts on the Nebraska coaching staff openings. Hour two on the way. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity dot com backslash subscribe promo code gbr welcome to hail varsity radio the voice of husker nation insight opinion expertise with the biggest and best names talking nebraska across the state join the show on twitter at hail varsity and at schmitz underscore radio call in at 402-466 espn or 1-800-825-5865 here's chris schmitz Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's get caught up with the coach, Gary Barnett, back with us. And, Coach, uh, thanks for the time. How you doing today? I'm doing well, Chris. Just sort of waiting for some of these other bowl games to unfold. I stayed up and watched the Missouri game, and when they scored uh, right at the end of the game, I turned it off and got up and saw, got up and saw that uh, Army kicked the field goal to beat them at the last second. So... I, I, mean, I should have stayed up longer. Well, exactly, right? I mean, I, I was over at some friends. We were watching. Uh, we were going we to play some pitch. We had the Missouri game on, and uh, it's kind of a, you know, the whole basement's full of Nebraskans, and we all love seeing the fullback run. So we kind of focused in on watching a little Army. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I didn't see the end of it. I saw the result same as you, though. I'm kind of like, wow, that was a that was a pretty nice comeback by Army. And I know it hurts you a little bit, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it does. But Missouri played a bunch of different guys yesterday. But, I, uh, you know, I, I've been watching. I think that quarterback's a good player, so it's mm-hmm. – it's, uh, I think down the road, uh, they're going to get a lot better. Gary Barnett's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, we'll dive into some of the bowl lineups and some of the challenges here this season with uh, with uh, the Omicron stuff floating around. I want to get your take, and it's not been officially announced as we talk, but you have pretty much consensus that, that Coach Tuioti is, is off to, to Oregon and joining uh, Coach Lanning's staff. He was Nebraska's D-line coach the last three years, and he had been at Cal under Wilcox and done, done well there. He'd been at Michigan. So Coach Tuioti did a wonderful job in Lincoln, and he's going to be missed. What's what's the, the right way, the wrong way to uh, – to be a part of this uh, this movement, as in, if you're a if you're a guy hiring, uh, how do you go about getting the guys you want, getting permission? Uh, what's that secret? Well, it's 
it's um, usually by the time that you seek permission, you better have already gotten an answer, and you ought to gotcha. know. You better know what's going on. I mean, I think it's it's protocol, but um, I would bet seventy to eighty percent of the calls that are made to uh, uh, another head coach requesting permission to talk to us, one of his assistants. Um, somebody has already made all the contacts and knows that the guy is interested and would come. And, you know, it's just sort of more um, the right thing to do. But most of those decisions are already made. And, and they're, they're, you know, there's no protocols in this business. And, uh, I mean, it's not like the NFL where you've got rules and you have to follow them and there's punishments but there's there's virtually no rules in this and so it's just a matter of what's what you know most people would agree would be the right thing to do i know colorado just lost um i think they lost their uh, corners coach to uh oregon as well so um sounds like uh uh the new Oregon coach is is pretty well connected out there with uh, with guys that he's gotten to know, and he's going and getting them. So uh, it's tough. It really is. One thing that I wanted to ask you about, and you can get into this if you want. If not, no problem. But I remember when, when Coach Callahan brought over Watson and, and, and Gilmore, and, uh, and I know that things kind of, picked up and I, I really respected the the job Ted did with his recruiting, his senior film and, and his development at the wide receiver position. And then Nebraska's offenses were were really good with Sean and I know they'd been on your staff for a while. Right. And uh you know when when I got let go, that's when uh they sought work someplace else. Mm-hmm. They could have stayed. Uh, actually Ted left left a year before Sean. Ted, when we were going through all that stuff, Ted got a little nervous, and so he he opted out to leave at that point in time, and then Sean left the next year after um, uh, my firing. So, uh, like I said, Sean could have stayed, but uh, he didn't want didn't like the way things had been handled, and mm-hmm. et cetera. It was just time for him to make a move. So. And he'd known Bill for a long time, I think. So it, it ended up being a good move for Sean. Is there always some sort of six degrees Kevin Bacon style of separation? Somebody always knows somebody from a Nine staff? times out of ten, there is. Yeah. Uh, I've had very few where there, somebody didn't know some. You know, that's usually where you get your recommendations from your own staff first and then that have worked with them because it's it, the perception – from those of us that are in that room together for uh, so many hours and through so many what we perceive to be tough situations mm-hmm. is that trust is huge and um, having someone who nobody knows much about hasn't worked with them can't really vouch for what they're like in meetings and what they're like on the road and and with their players or on the field with them you know you, you get a feel you you really know how well uh, the other guys on your staff coach when you're an assistant. You, you get a pretty good feel for it. And um, so you, you always want people that you can count on. Mm-hmm. And a head coach is, in many cases, not going to know the guy real well, as well as somebody else on the staff knows him or has worked with him. 
So it's it's a crapshoot. It really is. It's it's a little more art than science, and it's um, you know some of them work out, some of them don't. I know when I put my first staff together at, at Northwestern, I hired um, I kept one coach on that was there. Um, I hired a guy from CSU. He left after spring recruiting and went to Michigan, so I had to go find another one. And and the guy I hired, I didn't know from Adam. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I hired one other guy that I didn't know, but he had worked with uh, Ron Vanderlin and my defensive coordinator, and that was Tim Kish, and he was at Army at the time. So everybody else I had some sort of relationship with, but two of those guys I, I didn't. And so it was and they ended up being fine, good coaches. With Nebraska and Tuioti moving on, they have Coach Dawson here who is – that's who Tuioti replaced, right, when when Dawson went to the NFL for a year. You, you have a chance to kind of fill out your staff, uh, find a running backs coach, and, and also uh, get a special teams coordinator uh, and or an outside linebacker. I mean, there's a there's hundred different ways Scott can go. But two names that are on staff that, that I know of, they've been analysts, but, man, they've been really, really incredible recruiters in their career, and they're really good coaches is Bill Bush and, and Ron Brown. And, again, we don't have an announcement. We don't know where Scott's going to go, but it, it makes sense to, to really look at two guys there. Is is age ever like a roadblock for you when it came to hiring a guy? It could be. Uh, you know, it, it could be uh, a roadblock depending on the position and how much recruiting you're going to have to have. But, but, but some of the best recruiters I was around, Steve Bernstein, for example, was an older Jewish guy that recruited Hagen and all, you know, everything in LA. And he was just a great recruiter. And uh, so, you know, you get more, you want more of a sense of, how they're going to do, how they conduct themselves, what their past is, you know, how successful have they been. Uh, so I, age, I think that can be overcome mm-hmm. if you're worried about it, if someone is worried about it. So um, hopefully you, you hire the best guys. But you do know that you've got to have some young guys in some positions, some younger guys. But not always. I think you're you really probably end up missing on a couple of guys if you – if you worry about that too much or if you make it be too much of a factor. Well, and I look at uh, Coach Brown and, and Coach Bush and I think Bill's mid-50s, early 50s, and I think Ron might be mid to, you know, like 63 or 65. Yeah, Ron's, Ron's closer to me than, uh, than Ron, you, so, <laughs> yeah. um, for sure. But Ron, Ron, Ron is like 65 going on 45. Dude can still crush you and push-ups. And oh, I know. I mean, he's, what, he's, what a he's stud a that guy is. Oh, yeah, so... You know, I just wonder where Nebraska is going to go there. Uh, Gary Barnett's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, a few minutes here, uh, talking some college football. Yeah, I, I'm i just interested where Nebraska goes uh, in the recruiting world uh, in, in this hiring. And was there a point yeah, you just didn't want to go on the road anymore? Or were you always kind of just gun-ho about the, the recruiting aspect of it? Well, everybody's different, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, Chris and I always wanted to go on the road because I was picking my team. Yeah, you know, I, and and um, I, I, I didn't. I wanted to make sure that I found out everything, and then, you know, I, I wanted to be the key 
factor there. So I didn't want to miss out. Um, and so it wasn't, uh, for me, it was never an issue. Mm-hmm. But I know some older guys who, who don't see it that way that are just position coaches. And so this, in some, some regards, um, they're picking some of their guys that they may coach. But for the most part, you're not coaching, you're not picking recruits by position, you're picking them by area. And so uh, I, I think it does get old for some people. And gets old for some families, and I, th- I think more for families than anything else. With you and uh, the, uh, the kind of the breakdown position versus area, was it difficult to kind of scout out a? And I'm not saying you, you couldn't identify this, but but being like a running backs, quarterbacks guy, were you able to still kind of identify? Uh, a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman or, you know, a different position that was in your region? Was that difficult? No, it wasn't difficult. But, you know, I think most staffs have a protocol where uh, the the defensive staff will watch all the defensive players and uh, then the position coach that's going to coach him will give you a passing grade on it. So pretty much – create a relationship with the player you, you bring the film back uh, or you have it sent and, I, and it's, it's a little faster now than what it used to be you used to cart videotapes through an airport but now you know you get it all online you say look at this guy look at that guy see what you think and then the defensive staff or the guy that coaches that position says yeah I like that guy what do you know about him and then that's when, once he says that, and the head coach approves as well, then you go after him full speed. But um, uh, I don't. You're looking for athletes, mm-hmm. and you're you're also you you do this enough. You you know a really good player uh, when you see it on film, and and some guys' perceptions are different than other guys. You know, I, I Calias Campbell's my greatest mistake ever. Really? I mean, well, he, he's he was six seven. He's out of Denver South. He was my entire defensive staff looked at him. I bet I had them look at him five times, and they just said, "Well, you, you know what? He just doesn't make any plays. He, you know, he, maybe he's a tight end or something." And I, I should have overruled him. I should have said, "No, we're taking this kid no matter what. This is my choice," and I didn't. And of course, he's been All Pro. He's been Man of the Year in the NFL. He was. <laughs> Uh, all American. He's still playing. So you know you make you make mistakes when you. Sometimes you, as a head coach, you got to go on gut, and and I didn't do it in that case. Well, but I learned my lesson after that. Well, I, I, I bet you got to go with your gut. What's what's the most fun recruiting trip or relationship you kind of cultivated? Let's go that other way, from a miss to a, not necessarily best or all American or Hall of Famer, but just is there is there a kid? You had the most fun recruiting. Because um, you, I mean, you still you, you kind of light up when we talk about it. You loved that that aspect of it. Obviously, just being around. The I kids did. You know, the, the really there were some that were not so much fun sure. as others, but most of them were fun that I can think of. I, I'd have to uh, I have to bring that one up to you next week. I'll That's fine. About that a little bit, but. Uh, you know, it just, it seemed like most of them were fun. Some were easier than others. I bet. You know, um, you know, uh, Matt Russell, who won the Butkus Award, I mean, all I had to do was go into his house, and he said, I'm coming. I didn't have to do anything else. And 
uh, you know, he was a great recruit for Colorado, and it was he knew he wanted to come to Colorado. He's just waiting for somebody to show up, and mask him, and you know, those are easier, <laughs> uh, and then most of them are much more difficult because you're you're competing. So, did you have to go in? Were you part of Hagen's recruitment? Yes. Yeah. I I uh, first of all, uh, yeah, I had an interesting experience there. We in fact, in fact, we just filmed it. Filmed a, a session on it here at Colorado. <laughs> Coach McCartney and Steve Bernstein, Bernstein and I were there. Mm-hmm. We're in Watson. We can't find him. He's you know he's supposed to meet us at a certain time. So we get out before cell phones. I, we stop at a barbecue place there, and I get out to the cell phone. I mean, not cell phone, but up to the payphone. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing there, and the card goes by. And there's there's two shots ring out over my head. So I hit the deck. You know. Bernie and Mac, they got down below their seats in the car, and um, I didn't fumble the phone, though, on the way down. I held on to it, and I was trying to get hold of him, and he wasn't home that yet, and I was talking to his mom. So that that was pretty interesting. Hadn't had that experience before. So you got shot at. It was a drive-by in Watts, Watts inner city L.A., in Watts, as you're trying to recruit Darren Hagen. Hagen. Yeah. Yeah. So, in fact, uh, when we were just out there uh, for the UCLA game, Hagen took the video guys by to show show them the the uh, restaurant where where I was trying to get him on the phone and got uh, had shots. I don't know if they were shooting at me. I didn't. All I know is I heard <laughs> gunshots and it went over my head. So, how were the ribs? You know, we didn't even eat. <laughs> he just packed up. And said, we didn't even get to eat there. Oh, man. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Couple more minutes. Gary Barnett with us, longtime coach, Colorado and Northwestern, with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, we are off next week with all of our bowl coverage. We'll do a quick rapid fire on some of the bowl games, and uh, and wish you and your fam a very merry Christmas. Do you have a take or a feel on Clemson, Iowa State? Boy, I you know I really don't. I think um, Iowa State has just been. You don't know who's going to show up in that game. Mm-hmm. They're not. Brees Hall isn't going to play. Um, Clemson still has players, so I actually think that's a pretty good game, and I don't really have a good feel about that game. Right now, minus one, Clemson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's how tight it is. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, you think the pirate goes off on Tech minus nine and a half, Mississippi State? Yeah, I think he does. But Tech can play now. But yeah, uh, yeah I think the pirate probably wins that game. A couple of OUs in transition, Oregon, Oklahoma, the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, that, isn't that nuts? That's, yeah, uh, big time. And that's such a good bowl game down there. Um, I I just got to believe that, 
I think Oklahoma probably wins that game. Okay. Uh, but I think that's a tight game. I don't know how many guys are going to play for Oregon. You know, I don't think Thibodeau's playing. Out, and yeah. So, I, although he, he ended up, he wasn't a factor at the end of the year like he was early on. Pitt, Michigan State, who knows with all the opt-outs? It, yeah, that's, uh, who knows with that one. I, I've got to think that, uh, you know, with the two best players in the game aren't going to play in that thing. I don't know who it affects the most. I, w- I would think it would affect Pitt more than than uh, Michigan State losing its running back. So I, I think I'd have to pick Michigan State. All right, we'll focus in on the, uh, the semifinals here, Cincinnati-Bama. Uh, you think Cincinnati can hang around? Yeah, I think they can hang around, but I think Bama wins the game. But I think it, this is going to be a better game than everybody thinks. Okay. Or many people think is what I should Lions say. Lions minus 13 and a half, but yeah. yeah, Saban's already talking about, you know, we better respect them. Michigan and Georgia, and this thing's going to be fun. I can't wait to see this in the Orange Bowl. I agree. I think it's going to be um, a heck of a game. I think it really might come down as to whether Georgia plays Bennett or they they play JT Daniels. Okay. And I just think if JT Daniels plays in that game, Georgia wins it. But uh, if he doesn't, then I think Michigan's Michigan's just solid. They're just really good top to bottom. There isn't any real wart on the Michigan um, team. And so uh, I like Michigan's chance if, if uh, uh, Stetson Bennett plays. Coach, we'll wrap up here at the Rose Bowl, Utah, Ohio State. And I don't know if Ohio State's uh, wideouts are going to opt out or not. I really like how physical Utah is. I love their lines of scrimmage. Uh, Ohio State seems a little, and I'm air quoting here, weaker than in past years on the lines of scrimmage. Yeah, I don't think they're quite the same. Uh, but I'd say if the receivers play, then Ohio State's going to win that game. Uh, if they don't play, then I think Utah will be really physical. They, they have good players there and they're and they're, they're a good team mm-hmm. gary barnett with us coach uh barbecue for the holidays you got a lot of smoking going no but not yet i think we're going to travel a little bit here we're we're in boulder now we're going to head back and uh christmas day and I, I haven't thought that far down the road so no worries coach uh, merry christmas uh happy holidays to you and your fam thanks for the time thanks chris same to you Good to hear from Coach Barnett. It's going to be kind of fascinating to see who shows up, what's the motivation, and, you know, who's opting out, who's staying and sticking for their bowl. You know, the the college football playoff games, everyone's in. No one's opted out. Those will be good. Everyone else, I mean, you've seen a a wave of it for a long time now, and it's not a full, complete team. It, it just boggles my mind on one hand where if you're kind of having a breakthrough season like Michigan State, it's been a while since they've been at that level, New Year's Day 6. In the same token, brother, you got to take care of yourself, stay healthy. And uh, Jalen Smith is perfect example, right? He's no longer in the NFL, great linebacker for – for Dallas, the Cowboys, but had a horrific injury that destroyed uh, first-round grades, right? He went second, third, fourth round. I, I, I forget. But tail end of the second. Tail end of the second. And, and quite honestly, he's never 
he's been fine, but I think that injury has probably affected how long he could yeah, play I, in the NFL. I think it shortened his shelf life. And the one I always think about is a great Michigan tight end, Jake Butt. Oh, yeah. He had a nasty knee injury in, uh, in, the, bowl in, the, in the bowl game. Like a Gator Bowl or something. Yeah, and this, was, this was kind of at the, the start of the wave of players starting to opt out, keeping their NFL careers alive. And uh, a nasty knee injury in that one. I think he tore two or three ligaments in his knee. And uh, he went from being a, a guy who was probably a second or a third round guy to a guy the Broncos got uh, in a steal, I believe, in the sixth round. And uh, he had to miss his entire first se- uh, first season in the NFL. Rehabbing. Rehabbing and came back the next season. And what do you do uh, in training camp but tears ACL again? And uh, it just completely derailed his NFL career. He uh, he said he had a, an interview where he said he, he didn't regret playing in the bowl game because um, he took out insurance on his NFL career and was able to recoup some of his career earnings. But he says he'll always have that question in the back of his mind. What could have been if I would have set out that bowl game? Right. And I, I totally get moving on if you're – if you're just playing it out to play it out and you're eight and four <laughs> or, or five and, you know, or seven and five or five and seven in Rutgers instance, I, I get it. But you're, uh, you, I, you just, you just don't, you're not seeing that with Michigan and their talent. You're not seeing that with Alabama. You're not seeing that with Georgia. Not seeing it with Ohio State. Not yet. Not yet. I think you're going to see the, the, the whiteouts possibly step away honestly and that'll that'll make that game a lot tighter a lot closer clearly if against uh, against utah so you know the bowl games that 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 is what i'm interested in new year's eve night mm-hmm. that that's really all i care about i'll watch and get caught up with buddies next week as we're on vacation uh, with all the bowl games uh that oklahoma oregon game could have been really fun it still may be a lot of fun it's just a, a whole different scenario right now. I, I'll mostly be interested in watching the, the, the Big Ten teams that are in action, seeing mm-hmm. how the Big Ten uh, – I mean, I think as a Nebraska fan, the Big Ten kind of felt like a, a a juggernaut this season from week to week. It never felt like the, you, Nebraska especially was really playing a bad opponent. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how the Big Ten stacks up against some other conferences. I know they have some uh, some SEC matchups, some ACC matchups, some Pac-12 matchups. So uh, – that that's what's most intriguing to me, aside from the college football playoff, is how how are those Big Ten teams going to stack up, especially the teams that were a little bit more middling in the Big Ten. Yeah, do they translate it over to to bowl wins against some of the crossover leagues? Mm-hmm. So this is pretty good, and this got filmed during Big Ten media days with the coaches, and uh, you had different elements dropped in throughout the year when it comes to the Big Ten network, and uh, different uh, you know Thanksgiving pumpkin pie, what's the dessert. What's the go-to side for Thanksgiving? You saw something for Halloween, right? Well, now it's Christmas movie time with the Big Ten coaches and Coach Frost uh, a cut above once again. But here's kind of the rundown, uh, and uh, we will critique the coaches' movie choices for this Christmas season in just a moment. Yeah. But here's their, their list. We'll start with Har- Harbaugh. We'll finish with Ferentz. Figure out if you can hear the voices in between. I think Frost and Fleck are the two apparent ones where you know, yeah, okay, that's those right. two guys. All right, here we go. Oh, that's an easy one. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Uh, favorite Christmas movie and up there in terms of favorite all-time movies. It's a Wonderful Life. Christmas Story. Ralphie's the key on that one. Christmas Story. Christmas Story, without a doubt. Yeah, I, I kind of embody Ralphie. Yeah, probably the Christmas Story. Uh, Christmas Vacation by far. That's something we always watch as a family, even when the kids were young and it might have been a little appropriate. I love that movie. Clark Griswold and Cousin Eddie. Oh, Christmas Vacation for sure. Chevy Chase. Uh, Christmas Vacation by far. Probably Christmas Vacation, but I also really like Love Actually. 
Home Alone. The, the little cartoon Christmases, um, Baby New Year, and the Eat Miser, and all those cartoons. That's a good question. You got me on that one. <laughs> Bob freaking humbug, Captain Kirk. <laughs> Got me on that one. I, just You know the look on his face? And, and, like, Kirk had been on the golf course for maybe two weeks, and, you know, he's, he's in his Iowa yellow tie, and, you know, why are you wasting my... The, the look in, on his face and the tone is like, why are you wasting my time with grab ass here? And, and the, the vibe I get from Kirk Ferentz is that around Christmas time, the only film he's watching is film getting ready for the bowl game. That's the, that feels like that's the kind of guy he is. Yes, and and he's probably hiding from his kid. <laughs> As is all of the state. Well, what's, what's your take on this one? What is the, the greatest Christmas movie of all time? Oh, man. I mean, it, it is... It's, I mean, it's got to be Christmas Vacation. My, I remember seeing my dad just laugh and laugh and laugh with uh when when Clark loses it but also the the scene with with Mary at the uh at the mall the the, the smoking beautiful woman <laughs> that part is forever incredible with 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 Chase and I remember my dad just laughing his butt off with that so we watched that thing a hundred times between now and Christmas at our house not a fan of love actually never seen it what's it even about so I have seen it. I have not seen it. I watched. You, you, I watched you the trailer. Researched it. I researched it. It's about eight different couples in London, England, before Christmas, all finding love. It's a rom com. Really? It's a rom com. Frosty. See that's that's. I mean, I my movie's okay. Home Alone. Sure. Is probably number one. I have probably seen that movie at least twenty times in my life, and I will always laugh at. I'll always love the slapstick. That's a Christmas classic. No, no, Home Alone's awesome. I saw that like three times when it came out. But but one that didn't get any love in the video, which maybe it's just a, a product of my generation. But that's Elf. That's okay. a classic Elf Christmas is, movie. Elf to is me. fun. Elf is awesome. Uncle Andy loves Elf. Elf is top two to me. I'm not sure if it's one. I'm not sure if it's two. It's Home Alone, Elf, kind of interchangeable. Those are my top two Christmas movies ever. I'll put Christmas Vacation three. Uh, but Elf didn't get any love in that video, and I was a little bit surprised because I think Will Ferrell actually put in a pretty masterful performance. You know what else is is underrated as a Christmas movie is Family Man. I've never seen it. It's Nicolas Cage and Don Cheadle, and check it out. Okay. I mean, it's it's kind of a weird back-in-time fantasy-type deal where he's this high-powered corporate dude, and what happens if he would have stayed with his girlfriend? And, and not take this internship in London. So it's all right. Before we get to Burke's best bets here, we're in agreement that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, yes. Because it's on and you'll watch it. Oh, yeah. And we, Coach Kaz made a solid case for Goodfellas. Okay. Being, it, no? I don't think it's a Christmas movie. I, I heard his case and we're going to have to agree to disagree. Okay. <laughs> but Die, die Hard, I'll die on that hill. They'll, they'll, Christmas they'll, movie. they'll both be on repeatedly. Uh, Burke's best bet, some NFL thoughts on the way with Hale Varsity. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the 
the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut pre-teen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke, Pride of Chicago with us, his show Rush Hour on the VEASAN Sports Network. And find him on Twitter at DannyBurke5. Danny, Merry Christmas, man. You, you ready for a big week and weekend of NFL? Yeah, Merry Christmas to uh, both you and Elijah and all the listeners. And you know what? I am, Schmitty. It's kind of the perfect weekend, right? I mean, we get Christmas Eve, Christmas, my favorite holiday, and then we get a beautiful slate of NFL games on Sunday. So uh, I will be inside comfortably where it's warm, unlike you where you guys are getting spring break weather. We are getting a little bit of spring break weather, but uh, it's a little bit of payment by the Almighty for some rough football. <laughs> well, but it is, it's warmer today in Nebraska than it is in Arizona. I, I reminded my mother of that. She packs <laughs> up for Arizona. Let's look at uh, tonight. You've got the Niners playing really good ball. George Kittle's really emerged. Uh, of course, uh, Debo's been on fire. Titans, though, have weathered uh, the storm pretty well without Henry. And uh, this looks dynamite. It's in Nashville tonight, minus three San Fran. Do you like that number? I do like that number in favor of San Francisco. However, I'm a little hesitant to bet it. This is kind of seeming like it's going to be a classic pros versus Joes game where all the pros are going to be taking the points. Recency bias, Tennessee has been looking bad lately. San Fran's been on the opposite trajectory. But this, and I, and I say that, and, you know, sometimes it comes back to bite me, sometimes it doesn't. But I truthfully, when I'm looking at the numbers here, and the coaching advantage, I do think it lies with San Francisco. I honestly believe that because, and the one thing that's scaring besides the pro and Joe factor, I will say, is that the, the 49ers are a little bit banged up. Granted, they've been banged up all year, and so have the Titans for sure. But I think the weapons still are a little bit better with San Francisco in terms of what they can do up front with their offensive line. And, look, you got to give Jimmy G credit where credit's due. He's actually been one of the highest-rated passers the past several weeks. And a large part of that is because you got the beast in Kittle, who's just an immense game changer. I mean, you can't even put into words what a difference he makes to this team. And they can really plug in whoever the hell they want at running back, and they get the job done. Looks like it's going to be Jeff Wilson, not Elijah Mitchell for this game. But I think at the end of the day, you look at yards per play, you look at DBOA, all the metrics, and I get it. A lot of people are probably like, shut up with all your analytics. But I think it goes in favor of San Francisco here because the Titans have just not been a good team ever since Derrick Henry went down. Yeah, you got an impressive win against the Rams. Aside from that, you've lost some tough ones, and, and you haven't got any impressive wins. I mean, I took their win total last week under 11.5 or plus money, and I was like, thank you, I will gladly take that. And then they go and beat the Steelers, which I classified as a 50-50 game. And now I'm feeling great about it, and I'm going to feel even better after I believe the 49ers get the job done. Denny, I'm hoping the 49ers get the job done too. Second round of the playoffs, I got Jimmy G as my fantasy starting quarterback, so I'm hoping for the best for him. But let's move to uh, the Christmas Day slate of games. So we have the Browns in Green Bay taking on the Packers, uh, 7.5 for the Packers, and we also have the Colts and Cardinals going at it. Cardinals are a one-point favorite. Elijah, I'm still shook that you said you're trusting Jimmy Garoppolo in the uh, second round of your fantasy football playoffs, so I'll, I'll be hoping the best for you. Hey, I'm, but, I'm stacked uh, everywhere else. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, for this Saturday slate with the Packers game, 
Now, the Browns are in a very tricky spot here. They need to win the game. The desperation is at an all-time high, as we all know. But the Packers now have a chance to get the number one seed. So they're not just going to waltz into this game, not really caring. And it's Lambeau Field. Packers are playing great. I didn't want to lay the number, so what I did, tease down the home favorite of just over seven, six points. You cross the key numbers of seven and three, and I got Green Bay down to minus one and a half. So that was one part of the teaser, and we could get more to this game later, but the Bills and the Patriots, I teased up the Bills as the other part. So that's what I did with the Green Bay legs. As for the Cardinals and Colts game, I was telling you guys this, I literally could understand any argument for either side. You got the Red Hot Colts team with the better coach and Frank Reich, better running back, arguably the MVP and Jonathan Taylor, and a great defense. But you have this Cardinals team that, yes, has no DeAndre Hopkins, just lost to the Lions, but this Cardinals team is pissed. They're ready to show the world, the NFL, whoever, that they are a legit team and that they're ready to bounce back. So I honestly am split in this game. I slightly lean toward the Colts, I guess, but I don't think I'm going to play it here. I just want to enjoy it. So those are my thoughts, at least, for the Saturday slate of games. You know, can Arizona shake out of this tailspin? And it really started with the Rams, and then that that showdown beat them against Detroit. A lot of turnovers for Kyler Murray, and, and he's not been like that much of this season. Uh, we'll see if Arizona can can shake out of it. Let's go back well, to well, in, the, in the other game. Yeah, you want to talk about Green Bay real fast? I'm worried about Aaron Rodgers having a downer of a game, not getting to see his family on Christmas. I know how important oh, Aaron Rodgers' sure. family is to him. <laughs> He'll have a Brett Favre game. That's <laughs> what he's going to have. Uh, let's go to the other game: Bills, Patriots, uh, New England minus two and a half. Back to earth with uh, their uh, woodshed uh, last weekend uh, against Indy. But I, I love this first matchup because of the weather elements. And uh, Buffalo's got to really laser in. They were the, the favorite. I know they're still 8-6. and six, But, uh, man, they, they've really got to kind of make a statement here on the road. Absolutely. And really quick, just before I talk about that, last thought on the Cardinals and Colts, I forgot to add this. A bet I'll probably look to make is Kyler Murray over his completions props. Let's sure. keep that in mind. But um, for this build and Patriots game, my goodness, this is so fascinating because I feel like we just can't get a read on the Bills as a team. Talk about Jekyll and Hyde going up and down with this squad they have not lived up to their potential but when they win they've done it impressively granted it's been against inferior teams yes the Patriots have been very impressive and have been able to deal with adversity you talk about going on the road in that crap game against the Bills the last go around Mac Jones had what two three completions and they still found a way to win it's so odd to see both of these teams playing the way they are not odd I guess you're kind of expecting with the Patriots but they've been over exceeding for sure while the Bills have kind of done the opposite I want to take the Bills on the money line almost, but at the same time, they are too hard to rely on. So what I ended up doing is teasing them up, as I kind of alluded to. You get a short road dog catching two and a half in the historically successful spot as a teaser. So I teased them up six points instead of having the Bills catching two and a half points. I'm going to bank on them being able to lose this game and still win with them covering eight and a half. So if they lose by a touchdown, I'm sitting pretty, and I think that's the right way to play it. So teasing up the Bills. Teasing down the Packers is how I paid, uh, paired those games together. Danny Burke with his VEASAN Sports Network, Burke's Best Bets. About 90 seconds here, Danny. Any feel here? The Chiefs still favored by 8.5 at home over Pittsburgh. Uh, Steelers still uh, still alive. KC has uh, been whacked with COVID. Yeah, and <laughs> Pittsburgh is such a sloppy team, but somehow they get the job done in terms of covering, winning, whenever they need to. It's obscene how they've been able to do it, I guess, barring that Minnesota game, which I was pleasant with the outcome. 
But for Kansas City, this is a team that is absolutely plagued by COVID at the moment. It seems to hit a new team every week or a couple of them, and Kansas City is one of them. But you still trust Kansas City because it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Andy Reid. They always have a lot of good reserves coming off the bench. And the Steelers are the Steelers. But with that high spread, I, I could understand why taking the points with Pittsburgh would be the right route. Maybe look at this game being lower scoring and look at the total going under if you haven't missed the boat too much. Might be the better route to take, though. Daddy Burke with us, Pride of Chicago, and uh, VEASAN Sports Network, Burke's Best Bets. Danny, before we get you out of here, last one I want to get uh, your thoughts on is the Washington football team taking on the Cowboys. Cowboys, uh, so I want to I talk this one because it seems like a big line, 10.5 points for the Cowboys. It is a big line, but I get why it is where it is. If this thing comes down to like 10 once again, I think Dallas is the right side. But if you're over 10, I wouldn't argue going with Washington, who's looking for that little bit of a revenge angle. But they're still a very banged-up team right now, and Dallas is cruising. So at 10, go Dallas above, lean toward Washington. Danny, have a good Christmas. Best you and your fam. Thanks so much. Hey, Merry Christmas, guys. Take care. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Well, Gators in Central Florida tonight, NFL coverage obviously gets uh, going this evening here on ESPN. Lincoln, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Thanks so much for uh, an incredible year uh, with listening to Hale Varsity Radio and, of course, uh, subscribing to Hale Varsity with uh, all of our listeners, man. It's been it's been awesome. been a crazy year with the the football season and you know the basketball season trying to get uh things righted and of course volleyball vying for a championship and bolt baseball so i'm not too sad to to put 2021 behind us here and uh look forward to 2022 so any game you want to pick mr steak and a beer guy since you're up one well you know we got to pick college football playoff right sure that's two games okay but we could, I mean... Best out of three. If you want to do best out of three, we could add in the Ohio State-Utah game. You want to go there with the potential opt-outs? That's, that's going to make it fun, right? Fine. Uh, give me Utah, then. You'll take Utah, I'll take Ohio State. Yeah, what's the number? Eight and a half? I thought it was bigger than that, but let me check. Well, Elijah says that number was minus 17. I mean, I mean Ohio State's favored, so I'm getting the points here. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 uh, let's lock in. Make sure we uh, we have everything right here. I thought it was nine and a half for Ohio State, but let me check. It's six and a half. Six and a half. Give me Ohio State all day. Fine, I'll take Utah on the six and a half. Okay, I think okay. Utah wins this thing. Okay, well that's uh, well we'll have some uh, some some boldness from me 
in the college football playoffs. I think Cincinnati wins this thing over Alabama. It's 13 and a half. You're going with your heart here, not your head. I'll take I'll take Cincinnati to at least cover 13 and a half. I'm, I'm not going to be stupid enough to pick them to, to win outright here. You're not going money line. Just give me Cincy. I'm not going to do that, but I'll, I'll have Cincinnati cover a 13 and a half point line. You are not making a trip to Council Tucky next week is what you're telling me. No. To put money down at the sports book. I'm saying don't money line. Don't take it to the bank. Okay. But Cincinnati plus 13 and a half. I think they can pull it off. Okay. I'll take Bama and I'll even give you 14. Deal. Okay. And uh, you know what? I'm going to go with my heart versus my head here. I hope Michigan wins. Uh, are you in on Michigan? No, you, I was, was going to take Georgia. You're Georgia? Points. Fine. I'll take, I'll, get, I'll take the seven and a half. We have gone Michigan. opposite on all three of these games, and I don't. Th- it's not even just to make good radio. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to owe you a <laughs> side of beef, or we'll flip it around. So you're going to follow the heart on the Michigan one, though? Because I think Georgia's run defense is way too stingy for Michigan to be able to get anything really going on offense. I think Michigan will be able to throw it well enough, not like Bama did, but they'll throw it well enough to be able to run the ball. See, I, Here's I, the thing, too. I see this being a, like a 27-10 to 10 win for Georgia. Turnovers are going to be monster. Mm. Like, Michigan's got to be perfect, like they were against Iowa, taking care of the football. And they I, think, be, I think they have to generate at least two against this Georgia team, I think. And I think they could with their pass rush, though. I mean, I, everyone talks about Georgia's D, and they're incredible. I mean, the thing you got to worry about, too, I mean, Georgia, I don't know, are they immune to the opt-out? I know they had some COVID problems going through their team, but that, that should be resolved by the time the, the game actually comes Plenty around. of time. Keep it tuned to ESPN uh, all bowl season long. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you back in, uh, well, in 2022. Take care. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.